Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Happy birthday to Smart Enough to Know Better. Happy birthday to Smart Enough to Know Better. Happy birthday, dear Smart Enough to Know Better. We haven't done this right, have we? Don't finish it or we'll have to pay royalties. Happy birthday. No. To. No. I registered the. People are going nuts right now. Oh, I love that. Wow. We have completed and published 24 episodes. This is year two. We survived. You naysayers, your naysaying led to nothing. Yes. Nothing. You said nay. You said nay, but we said... And it was valued at nay. That's right. And two years in. Who would have thought two years ago, not only would we still be doing this craziness... But but we'd even be talking to each other. (laughs) You know, stabbed each other with a shiv in a shower. Uh, but more to the point that we'd have hundreds of people listening to us and nominated as the sceptical podcast of the UK magazine Skeptics UK. And 612 <laughs> Brisbane's favourite science uh, team. People, people email us saying, I listened to you on the radio today, you guys were funny. Not very informative, but <laughs> you guys were funny. <laughs> Woo! We even got to veil up Richard Feidler. That's true. He didn't know who we were, but that was fun. No. Well, he doesn't listen to <laughs> well, the radio. Gonna... He's too busy making radio. For people who don't know, Richard Feidler comes from the Doug Anthony All-Stars. If you don't know what that means, you should look it up immediately because it's awesome. And it's also from about 20 years ago. But now he's a, a proper grown-up radio talk guy. Yeah. When he, when I, was being, I was a little bit starstruck talking to him because I, I get that way. And, uh, and you I do get giddy. I do. It's like, oh, he's, he's that guy. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't think I was going to, but it suddenly hit me. I was like, oh, I'm really embarrassed. Oh, he's that guy I used to really like. Oh, he's really cool. And then he said, so what do you do? And I blurt out, oh, just screaming, hooting science stuff. And, and, and he just nice. went, he went, screaming, hooting science stuff. But yeah. And I went, damn it, you've ruined your chances of being oh, cool. Well. You <laughs> try again with Tim Ferguson. For one of them. That's right. But, Dan, I have to, we, we have to watch out. Because it's been proven. What? Something's been proven. <laughs> Things have been proven Uh-oh. by the University of Zurich. And they know their epidemiology or well, do they ever, especially in the annals of epidemiology, which is where this information comes from. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Epidermis is the skin and anals is down the back passage. So <laughs> no, you mean no, no, the stop, skin of the stop bottom? Stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> Not at all. You're more likely to die on your birthday. Dum, dum, dum. I can feel the walls closing in on the podcast. I should really check that I've paid for the domain name. <laughs> Supposedly, you are 18.6% more likely to die on your birthday. That's right. There you go. And there's a 35% rise in suicides and 44% rise in deaths from falls on birthdays. So you go, it's just crazy. If our podcast could have an increased chance of stroke of 21.5%. Oh, my goodness. My left arm is tingling with excitement about that fact. (laughs) (laughs) But Richard Wiseman, who is uh, people who didn't let us win the nomination for the UK Skeptics magazine. (sighs) But anyway, but he was one of the the, uh, judges. judges, The people who judged us. He did. And judged us. 
poorly. <laughs> and fair enough. So what they're saying is, so this is information is correct. It's been tested a few times. One camp suggests that you eat too much and that you're getting on a bit when you die and therefore you die on your birthday because it's a stressful time. But the other hive is it's a placebo effect or, or, or like the, not, not an anti-placebo, not a nocebo, but an anti-placebo. Something was going to kill you anyway, but you were going, I just want to get to my birthday. I just want to get to my birthday. Ah, I just want to so get to my birthday. Goal. And you get there and you go, I made it! And you drop dead. And, but there is seems to be your birthday is a deadly time. I used to, uh, I used to panic about my birthday because when I was a kid, I saw this thing on the news about this kid who died like a couple of days before their, their birthday. Like their body was found and they oh. died and it, they were going oh. to celebrate their birthday. And this really stuck with me. And I was like, oh God, the, the narrative horror and tragedy of dying before your birthday. So I get really anxious in the lead up to my birthday. Because your parents have bought you your presents. So on the day, so if they haven't bought you your presents, they don't care. You're dead, it's fine. But, mm. and, but suddenly they're like, oh, The presents Dan, go unopened. Dan would have really liked this toy dinosaur. We shouldn't talk about this. This is actually a really nasty topic, I just realised. No, we're, no, we're making light of something that's actually really quite awful. No, you, I'm not you, making light. No, oh, good. Really, oh, good. Oh, I'm this glad. This freaked me out no, as no, a no, child. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair so enough. we're talking about dying on birthdays. Yes, that, that, yes. That's something that has plagued me since I was four. So discovering this has not helped. I thought I'd finally gotten over it. Settle. Oh my god! Oh, my left arm's tingling! I have always wanted to get in a really good shush and this would be a great time to do it. Oh, that's going to be an exciting interview. Why was she shushing us? We probably deserved it. Ah. Oh. <laughs> That'll be Carol Gold, our interview for this podcast, the second birthday edition. Be ready. It's a very good interview. A very intelligent person putting us in our places quite a few times. Oh, yes. Are you getting enough air? Well, I'm not as tall as you, but the air is thicker down here. So, yes, I'm getting tons of air. Plenty of air? Yes, Plenty I'm of okay. oxygen? Mm, I think so. Because in Earth's history, there has been less and more oxygen. Oh, yes, very much so. In the times of the giant insects, when insects were, were sort of 30, Big. 45, the dragonflies with 45 centimetre wingspan, yes. it was 30% oxygen. Yeah. And They're got, gigantic. They're massive. But if you've got any higher, like they're saying, if you've got like 35 or 32% of oxygen, then spontaneous fires could have just happened. Like two leaves would have gone, rub, 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 whoomph. And, and, and so there was like a, a weird tipping point where like the planet Earth probably went, you know, probably not. Well, it wouldn't have thought of it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that kind of... Uh, it would have been you... on fire for a bit. Yes. Certainly not as much oxygen. oxygen. That's right. So there's a self-correcting feedback loop there. But, uh, but when there was lots of oxygen, there were these great big insects. Mm. And yes. when there was like less oxygen, the insects got smaller. Mm. And when there was more oxygen again, insects got bigger again. But you know what they're saying it made the insects even smaller in the end? Why we have small insects? Well, it, it, it tracks. The size of the insects has tracked to the amount of oxygen. There is. That's true. Until but... a point. Yes. Oh, wait. Are we talking about the same point here? Yes, we are. One, two, three. Birds! We must have read the same article. I'm going to put my iPad down now because I'll let you talk about it. You had it on your list? I did have it. That was one of the things I was going to talk about. Snap! High five! Woo! <laughs> Sorry. Do you want to do that again? I'll shut up. Get no, back. fuck it. Are you sure? Okay. I think that, we, that never happens. <laughs> We've researched the same thing. People who don't know this podcast, Dan and I never talk about what we're going to discuss. We, we want to have a more spontaneous interaction. Yeah. But once in our lives, we found the same thing. But Dan, as a magnanimous man of science, I'm going to let you talk about... Why birds gave it to giant insects? Well, what happened is that insects were around for ages and then God made birds. <laughs> Went, you know, dinosaurs aren't dangerous enough. Let's get them flying in the air at eye height. No, no, no. He turned dinosaurs into lizards. I tyrant lizard, dinosaur. Right. Saw means lizard. 
Yeah, but it's not, they're not lizards, though. Maybe I should let you take over this <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say here. Because the birds... Birds evolved from dinosaurs. Yes. And they started to be able to fly around and actually chase the insects. Yes, yes. Because the insects had the skies to themselves. Like, <laughs> like, what about pterodactyls? Yeah, they were up there, but they weren't going after. But the pterodactyls were lumbering yeah, things. They point. were like big vultures. Like, so the, the giant dragonfly could just go, I'm just going to move left. I'm a left mover. Ha, 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 pterodactyl. It's like a jumbo jet chasing after a helicopter. <laughs> and then suddenly came... More the, helicopters. Or the Harrier jump jet of birds. Oh, yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, that sounds like an old plane, but it's there, is there a modern equivalent? I can't think of it. The, it was, no, the jump jet was never very successful. You no, know, I think it was. It depends on the war. But, you know, yeah, no, for yeah. a while. It, it, I, they, they don't use them that often, I don't think. Well, they, they have very specialised devices. Anyway, anyway, yeah. birds. And <laughs> they're, they're, they're very important in Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah, and, and rightly so. They're awesome. So They are pretty awesome. <laughs> so birds, huh? So birds came onto the scene and evolved in there and went, oh, look, there's a smorgasbord flying Look around. up there. It's food. And it's giant, and I can just land on it, because it would be bigger than the bird. The birds were only small. Like, they weren't, oh, they were archaeopteryx. So they probably a foot across. Spazzing. A foot? 30 centimetres. 30 centimetres. So roughly the same size, if not a bit smaller, than the creatures that they were trying to hunt down. <laughs> I don't Holy know. I mean, crap! Lots of oxygen was, I guess, pretty helpful for the dinosaurs as well. Like, all the big animals were back there where there was lots of oxygen. Yes. Well, yes, certain periods. Birds actually have a better respiratory system than we do. We don't use much... We breathe in and breathe out. Birds have extra sacs in their lungs, and they're much more efficient uh, user, using... Oh, stop it. Uh, <laughs> oxygen sacs. And I can't remember the actual term for it, but they're actually much more efficient breathers of oxygen. So they assume that, they assume that wasn't something that birds evolved, that they there's, a, there's an assumption that theropods, which birds come from, they were more efficient breathers of oxygen than us, anyway. Mm. So Insects don't have lungs. No, they have... S- They're just pipes through yeah, them. Yeah, and and they just let the air go through them. So they would change their size based on how much oxygen is there because they couldn't get any bigger. If you were, if you were a big one, if you were too big and there's too, too, not enough oxygen, you, you're constantly going... <laughs> Well, that's exactly what you're not doing. Good point. It's the insect equivalent. Which you I don't just know. shake back and forth. Yeah, going, I can't get any oxygen. Oh, I'm so lethargic. Oh, I'm just going to sit on a couch. Let a bird oh, eat me. Oh, my bird. Yeah. <laughs> when a bird gets angry, I watch birds and then they go, they go, stop watching us. No. Uh, you're watch, watching birds and you look in their eyes sometimes. Wear a tinfoil hat. That'll keep them away. <laughs> you're watching a bird and you look in their little beady eyes when they're going berserk and you're like, you're just remembering some ancient memory when you ruled the world and we were stupid, crunchy food. And they're just going, the time will come again. <laughs> some birds have an ins- you go in their eye, like, you're insane. But if your ancestors ran the planet for nigh on, what, 135 million years, and then suddenly these hairless apes turn up and just wreck the planet, and then I'd be angry too. Yeah, look at swans. <laughs> yes, 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 look at swans. Those things you up. But don't eat them, otherwise the Queen of England will come mm. for you unless you're American and then you kind of kicked her out. But if you're a Commonwealth country, yep. you don't eat swans. What's more dangerous, a swan or the Queen? I don't know. She, she's very dangerous over short distances. She'll have you. Alright. Oh, she's a sprinter. She's, <laughs> well, she's, she's got a lot of people who'll stab you for her. What are we talking about? Well, it's not science <laughs> and it's not comedy. So I, <laughs> it must be ignorant! I think I know what, what it is. Well, let's bring some science back in. So we talked about birds... So birds fighting insects and in and the and the dinosaurs at that period of time. But you know what else was there at that time in a slightly different form than we have today? Ferns. 
There were a lot of ferns. Ferns make sperm. I discovered this. What? No, no, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a fern in my office. It, it makes sperm. It doesn't, and I, and I mean that they word I heard. I was reading it. Oh, actually, watch well, that documentary. I'm not touching that again. And, then, and then the fern needs water to, to it's not to fire pollen up. It's a, it's older than that. So it drops these sperm. They called them sperm. Yes. And it hits the water and it goes. Until it wiggles. It wiggles. It wiggles. It's a sperm. It looks very much like a human sperm. Wow. Your fern puts out sperm. I can't deal with this at this point. I'm assuming there must be different to animal sperm to plant sperm, but there's a wiggly, 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 and it wiggles down until it finds a fern and impregnates it. Blah! Anyway. When I was a fern, I had a luck to learn. I had a <laughs> luck to learn. When, when I was, was a fern. <laughs> But you know what else was out there? Not ferns, but you know yeah. what else was slightly different phase, or slightly different phase of its existence? You know it way. It's still with us today. Like birds still with us today. Turtles. Not turtles. No, it wasn't. Um, well, there were turtles there, but no, not turtles. Uh, 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 axolotls. That's the second guess. No. One more guess, Dan. The, it, Don't it, you it, screw up, Beeston. Eels. It wasn't eels. <laughs> it was tomatoes. Dun, dun, dun. The, there were tomatoes back then. They were the ancestor of tomatoes. They're saying that looking at their genome, that you can count backwards, you can clock, you can see when things actually started to mutate. Yeah. So you can say, well, the, the, the mutation happens at this rate, this many mutations happen, therefore this many millions of years ago, this is when this mutated. So they can actually count backwards, right? So you travel back in time, make a nice salad. Yes, that's true. And, and, and then become one. But we don't know. <laughs> 65 million years ago, that's when the big meteorite hit. Oh, the, yes, hit the, yes. And, and they, what's, people went, hang on a minute. But 65 million years ago is when the redness came into tomatoes. Yeah. People went, hang on a minute. All these scientists went, they basically started passing the tomatoes genome. Nature magazine said that they're saying, in fact, the very same meteorite that wiped out the dinosaurs 65 million years ago, or comet or whatever, the big thing that came down, might be responsible for the red color of tomatoes because that's when they became red. They weren't red before that. Ah. And they also tripled in size at that point, which is a, a supposedly a common, a common thing to try and survive. That is something that the number of genes, lots of mutations happened quickly trying to survive. Ah. And, and it became, its genome became three times larger. And so, it, so if you're getting less sunlight, it makes sense to make give your fruit more energy to use in order to get to a or, decent size. Or, or at the very least, make, make your fruit, your fruiting body, so in the case of the tomato itself, a really vibrant colour, especially if animals could see red. Not all animals could, but that might have come later, but maybe they, they could at that point. And they would go, eat that, and that would, you poo out the seed, and it'll, you know, it would pass on your genes better. Yeah. So, so it became a larger plant, yep. and it became red. Well, the theory is the same meteorite caused the dinosaurs to die out and tomatoes to become the lovable red things that we see today. But what colour? were they Dan what color were they before they were before they were red what would the dinosaurs have seen darker red we don't know what? we can't tell because it's a mutated gene it's it's red now but we don't know what oh, it was before it's been overwritten so it's been overwritten the, the code has been overwritten we don't know mm. so we think it could have been blue very very uh, unlikely maybe they're yeah. just they're probably just green to be honest. Probably green or brown but we don't know that's a total guess I like that well, everything before the 1920s was black and white wasn't it <laughs> You know what's really exciting? What? She's a woman! Don't. Oh, no, no, no. We, we're not going to do that. Oh. No, I, oh. I know that we've had a dearth of women yeah, in the podcast. Yeah, There's been like two of them. One. One. Renee Daly, twice. <sighs> and, and what do we have her on talking about pregnancy? Uh, boobs. Boobs! Uh. And like, you can, you're like, oh, we are, so, we are horrible sexists. You know what? We don't have a woman on the no, podcast. No, no, we no. have 
yet another talented yeah, individual yeah, yeah, to discuss yeah. important matters with. Yeah, as, as the interview started. I can't tap dance. I hope this is not about actual talent. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. She <laughs> thinks that real talent's about tap dancing. That's, that's it's society. These bloody tap dancing magazines telling women that they have to tap dance. <laughs> that's right. shoe shuffle. Welcome to the podcast, Miss Carol Gold. Thank you, Dave. We are here today talking to Carol Gold about libraries. How exciting. I know! <laughs> Ook! Uh, <laughs> a little in-joke for the Pratchett fans. Yeah, yay! So why, why would we have you on, Carol, to talk about libraries? Why would anyone care? I, I, well, I imagine no one's better at shushing you. Yes. Like, that's what I don't know about I have always wanted to get in a really good shush, and this would be a great time to do it, yes. Uh, you don't get to shush much in libraries. Why talk to me? You would talk to me because I'm the library e-services manager at QUT, the Queensland University of Technology, so I am a library specialist. I look after big information systems in libraries, and in case you're not aware, most libraries are now big information systems online. So, so lots and lots of cards? No cards at all. It's been a while except since I've been to for, a library. Except so. for the poker set that we have on the lunchroom table. No, Ooh. no cards. <laughs> so libraries are a pretty different place now. If you haven't been since primary school, which it's looking a bit like you yeah, haven't. A little bit like that. <laughs> There's been one or two things that have changed. You don't look like you read then. much, Dan. You're not a reader, Dan. I, I, I cook meat. <laughs> That's like reading, right? <laughs> Yeah, you don't really need to be a reader to visit a library and you don't actually need to visit a library if you are a really keen reader. And Greg was talking earlier mm, about mm. the fact that he reads an enormous amount but not out of books. Yeah, that's true. I used to read a lot. I mean, I know Carol from my library days. I worked in mm. libraries myself in the past. Not at her level. I was a lowly book peon. I believe I employed you at you some point. You did. It's your fault. <laughs> it's my fault entirely. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I was a lowly book peon. My job was to lift small weights a lot of times. Many reps. Mm-hmm. A small weight, many reps. That was my job. And then helping people, which I was I was around it. So you'll do a spine doing so, that. <laughs> so back then, oh, yes. I used to read a lot. I used yeah. to read a lot at that time. And uh, every week I would read at least one novel or one non-fiction book. And that was because they were there and they were available. And I would see a large range of books. And my knowledge was, became quite wide. But now that I've moved out of that area of my life and moved into teaching and into science then I read journals now and articles Mm. and I read online discussions and forums. I read as much, if not more, than I ever did, but I read them in bite-sized, digestible chunks. I don't have time or the the patience nor the attention span to read a 700-page novel. I read a lot of billboards. Billboards. (laughs) And tattoos. (laughs) <laughs> Tattoos are very entertaining, yes. Well, they're illustrated, so they appeal to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, like the... I must admit, I do read a lot of comics. Oh, well, <laughs> well you can get those. Batman, come on. You have to keep up what Batman Well, you do, is. yes, yes. You've got to keep up with the cultural norms. Yeah, so is, what... that, is that normal? Yeah, what's he trying to yeah. do? What's he trying to do this week? Yeah, actually. <laughs> what super, super ability is he trying to manufacture? Because he doesn't have any don't, superpowers. Don't, don't. You'll just come off second best as Batman. So is that normal? Am I a freak there for no. reading a lot of articles? you're not a freak. In this particular instance, you're not a freak. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on any other aspect of your life. Oh, yeah, it's going to be one of those interviews. <laughs> Sorry. I've no, 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 no,
consume information just the way Gregoire does. Mm. Perfectly normal for people like me, who are professionals, to read a lot on their digital devices, their phones, their iPads, their Kindles, to read a lot of journal articles and not to read a lot of fiction books. Mm. But that doesn't mean that they don't need a library, and that doesn't mean that a library can't help them. It just means that they're reading differently to somebody who goes down to the public library and borrows the last 10 Terry Pratchett's for a weekend's Mm. entertainment. So there's all different kinds of libraries, and there's all different kinds of reading. Mm. And I've worked in every kind of library, public, special, academic, and I've also worked for a library systems vendor installing library systems all over Australia. So I've got wizardry, (laughs) evil magic. (laughs) (laughs) I've got lots of experience in that, and I know that all libraries say that they're different to the Mm. other library down the road, but in fact they all do the same kind of things, just in slightly different ways. So what is a modern library then? They're exactly what the old one is, but they just use different formats. So the old library that you remember when you Mm. were at school... No, hang on, hang on. So walk in the big squeaky door... door. Yes. Smells a bit like dust and old people. Yes. An angry Hopefully old woman only dust. Finds all down and, and everyone being really quiet. So yeah. You know, on the floors and newspapers with a big wooden rod down the side. Wow, you had newspapers. You must have had a good um, budget at your library. Okay. Well, Not everyone well. could afford oh, them. Silver Spoon and Daniel's <laughs> yes. mouth. Look at you. <laughs> well, look, I, I may have chipped in the occasional extra 20 cent piece on the late fees. <laughs> Well, that's 20 the, cents. 20 cents what, is a what, long time what ago. Have you bought it? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that, yeah, if you take the book back a day late, you've got to give them 20 cents? More than that. Uh, I think it's about $20. Yeah. A day? No, not a day. But you do have to pay a pretty big fee at some libraries. It depends on the library. Or you wait some until they libraries. say, just bring in a can of food. That's and they, right. They, and they do that. And then people yeah. bring in one can of beans. Amnesty. That's the thing that annoyed That's me right. so much. Yes. I used to at the Amnesty and they'd come in and they would bring in one rusty can of beans. Yep. And I used to stare at them and just go, really? <laughs> and they go, yes. And you go... The confusing thing is That's... when they come in with a semi-automatic shotgun because they confused amnesties. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, we're Amnesty Local. Right. We're Amnesty Local and Amnesty International. Right. That was a joke? That was a joke, wasn't it? Was it? Was anyway, Very no, no, good, Gregoire. Yes. Thank you. So the, the old-fashioned sort of library, I know you remember the smell and you yeah. might remember the lady who went shh in the yes. corner who wasn't at my library. Dragon Lady. Yeah, Dragon Lady. Okay, so those libraries were really all about making a collection of books, an organised collection of books. You know, you could go to the shelf and find them in order by mm-hmm. maybe the author's surname or by some Dewey arcane Dewey decimal system, system oh, full of weird it. numbers, yes. So <laughs> the whole point of those libraries was that somebody with a bit of knowledge went out and collected the books that they thought that you would need and they had to work out who you were and what mm. you would need first. Then they would go out and look at the vast range of books that were available and exclude all the ones in Russian because you don't speak Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Buy in I all could the have. Ones. Your boy. <laughs> yeah. Buy in all the ones that are about science, so, for I instance. I don't actually speak Russian. That, that came from Black Widow in Avenger when she was upset. I probably said something very, very rude. Yeah, no, that. I don't I speak don't, Russian either. I Please. Quite. I think Boja Moy is actually a really rude thing for me to say twice. This would be a good pl- place Net. for me to go, shh. Net. <laughs> Sorry, let's go on. Uh, so, so somebody was actually collecting uh, specifically for you. They were making mm. a collection that would suit your needs and then they were organising that so that you could come there and access those books. They wouldn't cost you anything. They would be pre-selected and they would be organised in a way that you could find them easily. Mm. Sound well, good? Well, A plus on the Mad magazines that they had in Scotland. Absolutely, and I love the Mad one, The one the library I used to work in, actually, I, know, I can know exactly what you're talking about because we had a, a disturbingly large amount of books about trebuchets. Because every, I know it sounds weird, but every year, the, all the schools in the local area would all do an assignment roughly the same time 
on trebuchet. So all the teachers must have got together and gone, it's trebuchet week, we're doing it. So, <gasps> I, and so we used to have a lot of books, and I'm talking eight, nine books for kids on trebuchets. And how so they, to build and how to what, build, they, what like. they were. Like, yeah. and, 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 and so I know a lot about trebuchets now. How uh, to sabotage someone else's trebuchet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so we say, that's right, that the library went, we do need these number of books because these yes. kids do require yes. them. So we will buy them so these children don't have to that's buy right. them. That's right. I worked in a public library where we were endlessly buying in books on witchcraft and it wasn't because everyone <laughs> wanted them. There was a small selection of the population who wanted them but for reasons that escaped my understanding they would steal them as soon as we put them on the shelves. <laughs> so don't trust keep witches. trying to fill up the witchcraft section and fail. <laughs> <laughs> But the whole point, I guess the whole point that I was trying to make is that you've got those primary reasons for having a library and they still exist today. It's just that we're not buying it in books. We're buying it online access to online resources. We're still collecting. We're still promoting through our library catalogues the things that you're interested in, you being the specific user of my library, because every library has a different user group. And we're still putting it in one place for you to come there and get it. Sometimes it includes Wikipedia articles and sometimes you might get there via Google, but that doesn't mean it's not a library. Okay, well, that's a good point. So, so you're saying it's just a different format, really. That's it's right. Same yeah. information banded together. Same idea. So a library can uh, where where I could go and and I've done researching for this podcast. I've gone and found a journal article and it goes now send us twenty bucks and you're like I don't mm. want to send you twenty bucks. When I was part of a university, the university could pay all those, mm. pay the five thousand dollars a year to this collection of articles. I don't have to pay you anything except my university fees. Yeah. So it's cheaper for me to be part of it in that way. Yeah. Same sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. So okay, that's a that's a modern library. That's a modern. That's yeah, so and modern libraries, and, and it varies, public libraries are still performing the same duties as they did with the, getting the kids to read and having lots mm. of kiddies' books, and they have a high circulation of very popular fiction works. Mm. They also have massive circulation of DVDs and CDs, yes. and they have online resources as well, including readers' advisory services and all those sorts of things. Mm. And primarily, though, the library as a building is now used far more than it used to be. So a library as a building used to be just about the place to store the books, mm. and for the last probably 15 years, it's been turning into a community hub if it's a public library right. or if it's an academic library, a study hall. And you see that at any mm. library you go to when you, where you see lots of internet terminals for people to get online and you see meeting rooms and couches and, you know, mm. places. You know what study. I saw? Because I, did, I did go to a modern library uh-huh. for the first Just time once. in ages. Now the, and now Just the truth once. comes out. I walked in mm. and do you know what they were doing? They were having a concert. Yes. There was a Oh, was it Amanda Palmer? She did a, a live gig over in... I oh. don't care. Okay. <laughs> to be silent. How are we supposed Sorry. to read and be nerds with music going on? Uh, I have never been able in my entire almost 20-year career in libraries to tell anyone to shush, but I have many times been told to shush in my own library <laughs> by my customers. <laughs> You're being too loud, librarian woman. Yes. Oh, goodness me. Yeah, so that's that's actually very common. That's what libraries are for. They're, the point of the library is usually to provide information to a particular community. And if that mm. information is best exchanged person to person, then they may need to make a meeting room so you can have a meeting. If, oh, so if you create so knowledge... So people are a resource. So, so in this case, in what, so Dan was bitching about music, but really that mm-hmm. was passing musical knowledge or cultural exchange. If that was a, a public or a music library, then that was a perfectly normal thing to happen. If that was... My my library at Kelvin Grove, where we support the creative industries faculty of the university, that would be perfectly normal. That sounds because... like a challenge. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, hey, you can play ukulele. Oh, hey, no. I can My going to kill me. <laughs> You'll finally get to tell Smart someone enough. to shh. Smart enough to know better live. Ah. At the... <laughs> 
There goes my job. Okay. Hooray, <laughs> destroy another career. Not silent and deadly. That's not enough tour of libraries around the state. <laughs> we just burst in, make a lot of noise. Carol Gold said this was cool. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's times like these I need a really normal name, not an unusual one. She does stuff. She runs things. We know her. So, okay, so, so that's, right. that's a normal so exchange that's a, that's, information. Yeah, okay. so, and if you think about the way exchange information these days, look at the way Wikipedia is built. That's a, a community enterprise. Mm, mm. So that's the normal way for people to, to create information and knowledge these days is to use some kind of network to do it. And so that happens a lot with libraries. You see, we've had the networks for ages. We've had things like interlibrary loan, where libraries will borrow from each other if they don't have a particular item that their customers are after in their own collection and it doesn't fit their collecting profile, mm. they will still borrow it for you from another institute. So that's mm. been the, the case for a long time. But people do that themselves now. And I guess it, it's all because of the different way that we use and exchange information. This gets back to what we were talking about earlier on, how you read different things now yes. at a different stage yes. of your life. Most people these days in, the, in a digital world don't really read traditional books as much as they did, mm. just as they don't read traditional newspapers, even though some of them still got them in their libraries. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, go back 50 years. If you were an educated person mm-hmm. and you hadn't read a good percentage of these are the hundred great books you would not consider educated, really. No, it, that's you, right. You, there were certain books, if you were an upper-class or educated middle-class person, mm. you should have read X, Y, like Great Gatsby, and, and, and you know these great Australian, or great American, great British novels, yeah. and now and A Fortunate Life by A.B. Facey, the Australian movies, but certain of course, books. But nowadays, were, that's not true. No, that's not. And these days, there's so much more published. And this is, I think, the real problem for libraries, mm. is that publishing exploded in the last 20 years. Have you been into the newsagent to look at the number of magazines? Oh, yes. When yes. I was a girl, there were about five no. magazines. No, no, I, I you never don't look, look at the magazines. <laughs> Some of them have text as well as pictures, mm. but there's always. Every time you go into the into, I read the, those magazines for the lack of articles. <laughs> lack of articles, yes. <laughs> oh, very good. So there's there's a huge number, aren't there? There's a huge mm. number of magazines. Yeah. There's still quite a number of newspapers that are printed, even though they don't circulate as anywhere near as well as they used to. They're doing very badly. They're doing yes. very badly they're, indeed, they're and they're not very good. Yeah, no. and, and they're try, and they're desperate to survive somehow. Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, there's television shows, and because libraries mm. collect those sorts of things as well, that's information mm. as well. And all those things, the the volume and the variety has increased. And then, the quality... and then international super author John Birmingham, who is friend oh, of yes. the show, actually, well, he goes and writes pot thriller boiler. What are pot boilers? Pot boilers? Airport novels. That's right. So that's another thing. You can kind yes. of halfway house between adult literature and, and sort of toys and games. And yeah. he's going to write something that fits in. You can read easily and it's yeah. fun. That sounds like I'm putting it down. He's going to beat me up. I just realised. I, I don't know whether it sits between <laughs> literature and toys. I think it sits all the way down next to the toys. Beat, beat up Dan, it's John. entertainment. Up There's nothing wrong with entertainment. Everybody likes to be entertained. That's Carol but... saying that, John. That's not me. We, <laughs> That's we think you're a very we, serious author. We don't think you're entertaining at all, I promise. <laughs> I believe I have most of John's books. <laughs> so I, I have to say nice things about him. <laughs> I haven't bought them for my library, though. They don't fit the collecting profile. Oh, there you go. Oh, there, um, there you go. So... I, I guess what I was going to try and say to you just then about the about the magazines and the newspapers mm. and the, the massive explosion of, of things is, do you really think that there's better quality? Consider the 100 best books in 1950. Yes, yeah, good point. It's, it's... How different is the list today mm. to what it was in 1950? Not very. Yes, it's the same book. It's almost the same book. Yes. There'll be a few new ones, mm. but... Like The Life of Pi. Yeah, so... <laughs> Hitchhikers is in there now. Is it? Oh, oh Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy. 
fantastic, so it should be. Damn straight. All, the whole hundred should just be those books over and over again. <laughs> read Hitchhiker again. Go back and read it again now. Did you get all the jokes? I don't think so. Yeah, oh, no. I did that. So the modern the modern hundred would be the same as the fifty. 50 They're very years ago, similar. They're very similar. similar. Okay. So not a lot of our modern books are being considered classics in the same way that the older books were. But in twenty years' time, would they be considered? They might be. Classics? But like I Harry don't. Potter I think that if we're if we're like fifty years on and we haven't changed our top one hundred that much, then mm. in another fifty years we probably will still have a good percentage of those books in the okay. top one hundred. I think there's so, going to be a golden age of authors. Because everyone is, like, writing these days. Yeah. And that was going to be my point. Everyone is writing. Stop, oh. stop, stop preempting our guest. And now, can I ask anyone who might have a mathematical training in their, in their past of some kind, Uh-oh. if they could think about the bell curve or yes. how you work out averages. So yep. everyone's doing more writing. Mm. Yep. So is there an improvement in quality? Is it the improvement in the top two? No. No. no, 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 it's no, the average, it's... yes, it's across the bell curve, yeah, Yes, right. so we're getting more of absolutely everything, so mm. I'd like to point out that that's why libraries existed, because libraries were there to make sure you got the top quality, that mm. you got the things that were really relevant to you, and that doesn't mean that they had to be the top 100 books, it might be that the community that that library was serving was a community of graphic artists who needed all the latest comics. Yes. And in that case, you get any old yes. trash. Hey, hey, <laughs> oh, wait, hey, wait, wait, uh, wait, hey, I didn't say hey. that. Watchmen is not trash. Okay, all right. Well, you get any old trash yeah, and the Watchmen. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah, Watchmen yeah. was good. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Okay. Not much of a comic book sort of guy, but yeah. Watchmen I was Well, you look like a comic book kind of guy. There you go. Yeah. 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 No, he draws his own online, yet yeah. he doesn't read other people's. Yeah, that's no, a good No, you see, what it is, I love cartoons. Uh, like Calvin and Hobbes, yes. Far Side. Like that, yes. I think, is brilliant storytelling. Comic books and superhero stuff. Not, Not so, so much. much. Yeah. Well, that was my point. You still yeah. need libraries because you still need somebody to help you sort through all that stuff. Mm. And it's particularly difficult these days because I'm just going to segue off to talking about Amazon. And Good. you would know, you would know mm. that if you are a budding author and you wanted to have your work of genius published previously, mm. you had to send off your printed manuscript or handwritten manuscript to publisher <laughs> after publisher after it, publisher. It's crazy. With, with pleading letters. Yes. <laughs> pleading letters. I'm, please, please, I'm please. Hoping, I'm hoping that's coffee stain on that piece oh. of paper. <laughs> so it was really hard to get published, wasn't it? You had mm. to send it off and ha- hope that somebody would pick it up. Mm-hmm. There was a, there were a couple rejected. of steps in there that, yeah. that you had to get through. You had to go th- get through selection and then editing and then publishing, and then you had to sell in order for a library to collect mm. you and put you on the shelf. Yeah. These days, you can go to Amazon and pay a very minor fee and publish yourself online. There's a lot of dross on there. And oh my goodness, is there <laughs> yeah. a lot of... Yeah. And well, there's no editors. So many yeah. people. No, no editing and there's no... And they kind of stamp it weirdly. They, they go, because they go, who's the publisher? And the publisher mm. says Amazon, whatever it is. Mm. So you go, oh, it's been published. And you go, no, no, no that's just like saying this no. website. So, so they're nasty people, those yeah. guys. Because what other company actually makes paper products and goes, guess what this used to be? It was the Amazon. <laughs> it's still the Amazon, I swear. <laughs> I just got that. Do a while look at what you're saying. Man. That's really yeah. uh, That's very good. It's quite, <laughs> it's quite nasty. Yeah. But it's, it's Amazon, but also isn't I heard something recently saying Amazon doesn't even care about books anymore. That's why they'll sell books for underpriced. They they'll sell it they'll underpriced everyone else on the planet to sell a book because they're not really selling books anymore. They're selling all the other products. Yeah. They're trying to have a closed ecology. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not quite as big an online store as eBay, but nearly. Mm. They're yes. trying to get there. That's right. So, so, they so in the same books, way that Google yeah. isn't about search, it's an advertising company. Amazon isn't about books. It's an <laughs> it, online a, retailer. That's a big, big mm. call, really. No, Google. it's not. That's a, yeah. Ask Google. They'll tell you that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, smart enough. They're better as a T-shirt company. <laughs> <laughs> if I can ever get the frigging store on. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm not doing that well. Okay, so, oh, right. So, yeah, so, so, the, so really, the, the, the service they offer is just a way of getting you to give them information mm, they require. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, because there's that, all those opportunities for people to publish, and I'm, I don't even mean publishing books. I'm, I'm thinking about blogs. I've got one that where mm. I rant every now and then about all sorts of weird things. And where is that, Carol? And, uh, I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> you do know there's lots of people who write online, unmediated. So you yeah, don't need like, an editor. You don't like need girl a publisher. Clumsy, girl clumsy. Girl clumsy, she, indeed. She writes a blog and a very she, good one. But she's a she's a journalist and she then also starts to make money out of that too. But she's she, yes. she's a professional writer. So she's in that a professional sense. writer in that sense. Yes. But you don't have to be a professional writer to have the things that you write read by no. hundreds or thousands no. of people. In fact, it was pointed out recently. There's, there's a lot of talk about controlling people who have blogs because they're saying if you have mm. a thousand readers uh, reading your blog, you may actually have a bigger readership than an outback newspaper. So if you're in Billowheel, yeah. let's say. You're, and, and you're the Billa Wheeler Telegraph, I think it was, then they only have a readership of like 800. Yeah. So, so, so Girl Clumsy has a bigger readership than they do. St- Stephen she Fry. she has more power than them. Like yes. More, more sway in, in, the, in the blogosphere. So Stephen Fry pointed this out on his blog, actually. So it must be true. It must be true. He said that he no longer really even talks or responds to journalists who ask him for an interview from a newspaper because they have a much uh, smaller circulation than he does because his Twitter follower list is five times the circulation of the New York Times. Times. So <laughs> why would Smith he bother? Kevin Smith said the same thing. He's like, I don't need it. Stephen Fry. Kevin Smith is like, I don't need anyone to market my film. I'm better at it than any of you. Yes. And, and, and I could do it in six so, minutes. Look, and we've, we've had this experience with this podcast and the fact that we don't go to people and say, hi, we'd like to interview you and it'll be good for you. We're yeah. very honest to go, we would like to interview you because it will be good for us yeah. and for our listeners, yeah. as, in, as in our listeners, and it will, will make you feel warm, warm. and yeah, like you're giving right. back to the, the <laughs> plebs of society. <laughs> doing but, but at least we're honest about it. We, we weren't going to try and go. Well, if you jump on our bandwagon, then we'll give you all of three full yeah. listeners. You know, we I love think you've you. got we more love than you that because you've got two parents each, haven't you? And then my, my parents, sort of... no, my parents, my, my mother listened to it once, and, and oh. I said, "What do you think?" And she went, "You're very clever." Oh, and I went, uh-oh, dear. Uh-oh. <laughs> wow, your mother said clever. That's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your mother used a C word as well, but I'm not too sure we can repeat it. Oh, yeah. <gasps> can I even say that? I'm not sure. I don't think she would. <laughs> oh, no, she probably would. Get a couple of drinks into her. <laughs> Let me tell you about your podcast, you stupid clipper. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yes, so, so we were talking about the process of disintermediation. Mm. That's the name for it. We I don't remember. What the heck? <laughs> we come, sure come, were. Get out of here, Miss. That's where the tone was, my friend. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. Yeah. We're very clever, Dan. High five for us. Disintermediation? Dis- Dis- yeah. Dis- or, or possibly another word beginning with C. <laughs> Disintermediation, that is the process of removing intermediaries in any right. process. For many years, people have tried to promote that as a good thing, though. Take out yeah. the intermediary, take out the middleman, and therefore it'd just be creativity in the world. Yeah. But really, that's great if you're creative. So what does the middleman do for you? They're your filter, aren't they? Mm. It's the filter, it's the signal to noise. The middleman yes. was to, to make sure you got more signal, less noise. Yeah, so it's, it's all about selecting for quality and presenting mm. to the people who are going to want it. So mm. it's exactly the same thing that you would get from a music producer mm. that you no longer get because things go straight to iTunes or yes, yes. that arcane process whereby you get things for free that's naughty. Of course, I know nothing about it. Pirated, <laughs> yar! We know what you be talking about <laughs> yes. there, Missy, yar! So, so that process of creating a quality product mm. is no longer there and yes. therefore... For 
libraries, it's a little more difficult now because you can't just say, oh, it's, it's from Eureka Publishers, we'll buy everything of theirs because mm. we know they've pre-vetted everything. You have to say, oh, it's been published by XYZ Company, we'll have to read it first. Mm. So, okay. so with, with scientific journals, if you have something to say that's important, Hmm. We've done some research. Then there will be peer review. So three people in your in your industry will go and read it, and they will say, "Yes, uh, Gregoire's and Dan Beeson's paper on X is actually worthwhile, makes sense, and is forwarding knowledge." So that's that's the filters you go actually, through. Actually, they don't say it's worthwhile, makes sense, and is forwarding oh, knowledge. Peer review is all about making sure you haven't got any major flaws in uh, your paper, no matter what uh-oh. it might be. <laughs> but it's not. They don't really care about whether or not it's furthering knowledge because the process of peer review is really about making it ready for publishing mm. and ensuring that it is actually a quality scholarly article. Now, in some disciplines, that mm. does mean that you've got to have some quality control. That's particularly important in mathematics and science, and so I understand oh, okay. why you would think right, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, right, I see. I've but you can't really say that about a paper that's written about some artistic endeavour. I mean, how can I never you... thought about peer review and artistic endeavour. In fact, well, I didn't think there was one. There is actually still peer review. There for are journals for... for of course there is. Uh, of yes. course there are. For yeah, any yes, academic, yes, any academic faculty will have academic journals, scholarly mm. journals, where peer review is the common way of vetting articles before they're published. Mm. But the interesting thing is that in days gone by, not very many articles were rejected by the peer review process, or yes, yes. even even more important, they weren't retracted after publication when the scientific community looked at them and discovered that there was a flaw. Yes. So you, like would, you would have Wakefield. a Wakefield. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to mention that because that was taken out of our ABC conversation. Oh yeah, well, we, we got. We got we, we got, got edited. We got vented on the ABC. That would never happen in a library. In a Wednesday. Well, that's fine. That, that was their decision. But on our own podcast, we can say Andrew Wakefield is a crank and that he went out of his way to make people's lives awful and sad. And, anyway. he, and he hurts orphans in Alsatian. That's right. <laughs> Something to do with a sun tiger. You go and listen to the ABC thing. It'll be fine. Okay. Uh, we can say that now. Thank you. That's off my chest finally. That's good. Well, I'm pleased to hear that. <laughs> I, I read something earlier in the week about there being a massive increase in the number of retractions of published papers recently. Mm. And I think it's more because because the community has changed and now they now the scientific community talks more and there's, they're more open to saying, I oh, know this paper we published is rubbish and we're going to retract that. And, and it's, I think it's a very important part of science. It, the, it has to be done. That's right. The important part of a scientific endeavour is in disproving things. So yes. the, the point of publishing is that you're, you're saying, oh, I've got these results. Here's my data set perhaps or here's my assumption of why this has happened and here's how I'm going to attempt to approve it. And then everybody else in the scientific community should be jumping on the bandwagon to kick Gregoire for publishing that paper and try and disprove his theory. Yes. That's what science is all about. It's not about proving things. It's rather disproving things that are not correct. And so that's why in the digital age, all these issues about intellectual property ownership and, and copyright actually make it difficult for people in, in the position I'm in in libraries to promote quality articles. Because mm. if you've got a really good archive of material that doesn't happen to be in digital form, it won't be used as much as one that is mm. in digital form. Because digital is easier to get to. It's yeah. easier to Google something than it is to go down to the library and look through paper. So, and also it might not be that's what I find. You go and you check might. it, and you go, and it just happens. One student had to put it out in the wrong place. And yeah, that's right. You never find it again. Years. So there are a lot of things that are high quality research materials that don't get used these days because they're not digitised. Mm. And a lot of people have changed their work environment. They prefer mm. anything that's easy to get digital things. And yeah. so that makes it very hard for us to make sure we get a, a good coverage of quality material because libraries are not very well funded. We can't digitise everything on the planet. But Google's trying, and that's called as an uproar. Google tried to... They, they, I can't yeah. remember what it's called. There was the... Um the, the, the printing press. Um, and it's probably a good idea that we have somebody do it, but do we really want an advertising company to... Um, <laughs> an advertising company that's based in the United States of America where they have quite different censorship laws to mm, us mm. 
we really want them in charge of all the world's knowledge because they're not doing it for the public good. Yes, okay. They are a, pro- a company that's the business in the business of making money for their shareholders. Mm. So mm. I think that it's probably you're better to put your faith in something like the Hattie Trust, which is academic libraries digitising their works and okay. storing them for a, for the long term. Well, there's nut jobs on BitTorrent who just collect it all. I never look at BitTorrent. No, I don't even know what a BitTorrent is. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those places where if you've got an open source thing that's very big, you put it on BitTorrent and then everyone oh, shares it. Like it's Linux. brilliant tech. Like, like a Linux thing. Mm. Yeah, 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 if you yeah, want yeah, to download yeah, Linux, yeah, you yeah. get it on BitTorrent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone just shares it. Uh-huh. That's all there is. Brilliant. It's just one copy of Linux on BitTorrent. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. <laughs> what else would there be? Now, excuse me while I wait for 18 months for Game of Thrones Season 2 to be released what? on DVD yeah, and well, there's, stores there's locally. That. Yeah, because Australia can't, can't seem to we, keep up. Can't we buy it on iTunes? No? no, no, no. It's all like that's the problem. If you want to watch, if you want to keep up, I don't understand that nowadays. I do not. They go, why are you pirating people who pirate? And, and of course, the answer is, why didn't you instantly put it online? And I love Doctor Who. I'm yep. a Doctor Who fan, and I would refuse to wait six months. I refuse to even wait a week for my Doctor Who fix. So I would. Yeah. I mean, you could. You could wait a week, but unfortunately with the internet, spoilers. spoilers. And all my friends would go, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. And I would go, what the? And so, and so I'm not saying I do pirate, but somehow, some people somehow let me watch the show. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Look at it justify yeah, so, evil no, ways. No, 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 so no, 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 you've got the right to watch that as soon as you want. Is that what no, you're no, saying? No, 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 I know, I'm not, not, no. I'm not saying that at all. No, no, no I, What I said was when the BBC brings out a, a way of me so I can pay money to watch my Doctor Who instantly, yeah. I will pay that. And I would happily pay it. And then they did. And then, and then on the iPad, they brought this thing out that was basically like the British BBC version of um, iView, mm. the ABC yep. one here, and they went, and I went, oh, finally they they, they heard my cries, yes. and I went to do it. And of course, they went, oh, none of our new materials. No, on. and no. I went, you're stupid. Like here is someone in Australia who's willing to give you money to the BBC. There's someone outside of your normal yeah. money base. It just seems odd to me. Licensing that, problems. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's stupid. There's, 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 I, want to, I have money I want to give them. And they're like, yes. we can't take your money. And you're like, give it to me and I'll get it. Make sure it <laughs> ends is, up in This there. is the problem. We need to go more global. The problem is we have all these fiefdoms all arguing about who's going to get the it's biggest part a, of the pie. It's just a temporary situation. We are living through the death throes of the old publishing industry. And mm. it'll, it'll work itself out in the next probably 10 years. Because they That's can't... a lot of series of Doctor Who I'm going to miss. Oh, Greg. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about here. Not really. There'll be a 14th Doctor by this time. No, no, no. You, you look at what they're doing. They're winding down. It's going to be one episode not a year now. No, they'll know. I think Doctor Who has really run its course, and probably it'll be something else coming up it's soon. A flash in the, the pan. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a 49-year flash in the pan. <laughs> I do know what you're saying. I, I actually I buy a lot of my content. I've got a massive mm. iTunes library of about three or four thousand dollars worth of stuff: mm. music, books, DVDs, mm. movies, te- TV yes. series, the whole lot. The thing that really distresses me about buying it on iTunes, I get it there because it's quick and it's cheap, and it's mm. usually before I can see the DVD in the store. But the problem is that I don't own that object then. And so yes, I can't yeah. leave this to my daughter when I die, unlike my full seven seasons of Buffy and any other <laughs> weird little you know, things I might have. I can't leave her the DVD box sets. I can't leave her my CDs. I can't leave her my book library. Yes. So yeah, there's a problem. Because there. they're all electronic. And, and the problem is that with this digital publishing of any kind, whether it's music, videos, books, whatever, we've lost the doctrine of first sale, which meant that when you bought that book or DVD or something, Gregoire, you could on-sell it to Dan mm. and make a profit, or you could lend it to me and then mm. I could give it back to you or lend it to my friend. Yes. It, and you didn't have to, after you bought it, you didn't have to then recompense the publisher or author again. Mm. 
With digital files, books, music, whatever, we don't own them. We only have a licence, a personal, non-transferable licence to use them on our devices for as long as we're alive. Mm. So mm. that really makes for a big difference in the way we consume and, and manage information. Well, the worst thing is that archiving becomes really difficult when it's digital because... Um, you know, the, the stuff that we have from the Egyptians is stuff that was carved in stone and all the stuff mm. that was on papyrus is just whoosh. And now it's such a transient thing. One yeah. EMP, boom, yeah, suddenly but, no more Doctor look, Who. Not even... <laughs> what? <laughs> no, not even EMP. I mean, not, don't even talk disaster, just a change of format. Ex uh, absolutely. And, and, I can't access any of my original research for, right. from 10 years ago not because it's in the wrong Vatican format. Can. I saw an article yeah. with the Vatican. The Vatican went, oh my, oh my God, we have to upgrade our papyrus because we're losing all of the Bibles and stuff. Mm. And, they, and they went, we'll use the technology of the DVD and, or the CD. And they, and they went in there because that's what they were told. Oh, that reminds me. I need, what... to, I need to see my machinist about my, my phonograph. <laughs> <laughs> We need to put it on. Tinkerer. We need to put it on the CD so we lose it forever. And they, they thought that would last forever, and now the way a CD lasts about twenty-five years. Yes. And they, they spent all this time. Now they're like, oh my god, we're out of the screwed. So where do they put it? So they put it all digitally, but is it one EMP or one or switch off the power or whatever? And you've lost it. We are we are in a very sort of weird place. But it doesn't have to be a disaster. We need no, to, it we, doesn't. We and need even to chisel those Buffy transcripts into some granite. Have I you seen the Rosetta Stone? Even stone doesn't last forever, that, you know. That's <laughs> a pretty good time. I can't even play... I'm playing Max Payne 3, which is awesome! But I can't play Max Payne 1 on my computer now because mm. my computer can't understand that program mm. and it's all weird and funny. And you go, that wasn't that long ago. That was, what, 12 years ago? Yeah. I can't play a game from 12 mm. years? Well, yeah. my computer would be so much more powerful. Like, was it um, not Goblin's Law? Um... um Moore's Law. Moore's Law. So you, my computer must Godwin's be... Goblin's Law. Hitler computer! <laughs> uh, <laughs> when it can play Hitler games... That explains, the, that explains the moustache on my DVD. What am I doing here? <laughs> yes, we yep, we've done, yep, now she's a proper... <laughs> A proper guest on Smart Enough No Better. But we can't, this, even our computer, which which is still a, a Windows PC, can't handle an old program. So yeah. how can we keep this information? How am I going to read these books again? I am not a specialist in digital archiving, but I would say to you that if you want to read your book again, you should buy the paper version. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't rely on the Kindle version. If you really want to keep it for good, then go out and buy the hardback first edition and lock it away in a nice humidity-controlled cupboard. <laughs> Humidor. Ticker yes. tape. <laughs> Just reams of ticker tape. <laughs> it's not actually possible for anyone to capture all that information and keep it safe. And so that's what I meant when I said before about us being in this changeover phase. We're changing over from when we used to be a print and physical-based information culture. Death rows. Death rows is probably the right word. <laughs> We're changing over from that, from that physical-based mm. information carrier culture to a digital one, and we haven't worked all the kinks out. Gutenberg printed his first book, I believe it was a Bible. Mm. It, that, <laughs> at that stage... It was a porn magazine. <laughs> at that stage, there were the about, um, I think, 30,000 books in all of Europe, mm. somewhere around that figure. And so when he printed his first one, there weren't suddenly 60,000 all, you know, all over Europe overnight. Mm. He didn't suddenly go from printing one book to printing hundreds of thousands. It took a good 50 years before publishing cranked up to the point where there were lots of books being published mm. and then you had an explosion of, of literate people afterwards. So mm. we okay. now have the point of lots of digital information being published and we would expect in probably 10 to 20 years to have new ways of managing it. So can I... Um, okay. Hollow brains... 
So exobrain. Just I, writing I, it to the hollow it's brain. It's what I call my phone is my exobrain. If, if, yeah. I, if my work, I have lots of tours and things I have to do yep. and things I have to, and, uh, deadlines I have yep. to meet now. And so I keep them on my exobrain. And so yep. I just check it every day and go, oh, yeah, that's what I have to do. And so I've taken to using Google Chrome exclusively on all of my computing devices, which everyone's have it because of the search history. So I can see what it was that I was reading <laughs> oh, online because I can't remember where I saw that crazy thing. So I, I sort of put something to you now. Hmm. I'm, I'm, we're going to go forward a couple of years now. Okay. We're going to go a couple of decades. And I'm going to say, picture this, Carol, you're going to be living on the street. You're going to be <laughs> you panned. Gonna... <laughs> go with me. Don't stop laughing at me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, you're going to be panhandling for change. And, and here's why. Like people, you know, a librarian will organize your do decimal for food kind of thing. Because there's this thing called Google, which you talked about, and this thing called Wikipedia. And I can get all the information I want. Why do I need you, Carol Gould, library expert? I mean, really? In, in, well, in 30 years' time, Siri, I'm going to go, Siri, find me all the things in the world I need for this assignment. It'll go, yes, I'd love to. And it'll go and get it for me. What, what, do you see what I'm trying to say? How what? will Siri know what's good and what's bad? Siri's awesome. <laughs> Siri's magic in a box, <laughs> yeah, is that's, it? That's it Fantastic. <laughs> it does crowdsourcing. It does it. Well, like Wikipedia, there's no one. Wikipedia is, is the is the genius of the crowd. That's the idea, isn't it? Yeah, Wikipedia is in some ways as as good. A lot of people have have done an assessment of it, I think, and and mm. found that for some particular subjects and for for some queries, <laughs> especially Batman, <laughs> especially Batman, anything that's popular with the court <laughs> kinds of people who are going to be engaged in a digital world, mm. Wikipedia is a great thing to have, and it's going to be have, have a quality just as good as Encyclopedia Britannica for your subjects. Yes, but what it's about hard for to my mum? Britannica by changing Chad to the name of the Earth's son. <laughs> we didn't do that. No, we didn't. No, we, we didn't, didn't do that. We never actually did that. We no. know, but somebody did. No, no, we didn't yeah. honestly do that. But people yeah. did. But, but, but someone uh, did. Yes. So um, there must be more than yeah. one reading. We got really angry. At and quite right. frankly, if you can find an Encyclopedia Britannica. Just have a crack at C. Yeah, just, just, just get one of those. Get stick. one of those. Get one of those printers, line printers, and just print out Chad and glue it in. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten how we got onto the topic oh, no, of the Chad. We're in the future. But, 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 so why, so, why will you have a job? Why will you still be important? What is that fantastic phrase, William, is it William Gibson? Uh, the, the future is already here. It's just unevenly, unevenly distributed. Ooh, you have oh. in your pocket a phone that is more powerful than most of the world's computers. Mm. Most of the world is not on the internet. Here we are doing a podcast. Yes. 80% of the people in the world, oh. A, don't speak this language. Yes. B, they don't have a computer or a phone they can download and listen to this podcast on. They don't have access to the internet. The, they haven't the even internet, used a phone. That's right. Yeah. You know, we oh, said this before on the, on the, on the yeah, podcast so, before. We, so we are a privileged, a privileged, privileged elite of a privileged elite. You are indeed. Mm. And so there is no uh, future that I can see that's going to be libraryless. I, I can't see any way that there won't be communities who need people to help them get the knowledge, even if it's communities of five-year-old kids. No, I, I, I can give you that. So that means that you're going and your ilk are going to move to second world countries? Whoa. Now, I'm actually... Is your intent to make every guest on this thing cry? I am not going to beat him over the head with this microphone, but I'm going to think about it. <laughs> no, I'm, just, no, I'm, just, I'm intrigued. I agree with that. Yes, there will be places in the world that will need books, but in, in the that 1% where, where we live now, which you're part of, so, I... so, so will your job... I'm, just, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm honestly job, asking. You need a master's degree to be a librarian. You have to have some mm. other kind of specialisation first, and mine mm. happens to be information systems, which I did in a Bachelor of Commerce degree. So mm. okay. most librarians have got some other specialisation and they use that to then connect with their community. So you might have a science degree and you'll be a science librarian or an arts degree and you're an arts librarian. Mm. Now that's not always the case but generally you've got that specialisation. You've got domain knowledge mm. that okay. you use. That domain knowledge is just as useful in helping people pick out 
and learn how to detect crap. Mm. It is actually really difficult these days when you've got a torrent of information hitting you. It's difficult to work out how to set up a good filter, Mm. how to use that filter to filter out in the good stuff and filter out the bad stuff, and how to know when your filter has failed when you don't get a message. Mm. If you think about the way you read now, if you read on your iPad, you might have something like Zeet or Flipboard Mm. that is filtering for you, or you're using RSS feeds, you're pre-filtering yourself. Mm -hmm. You're cutting down the information that you can possibly get to a little subset, and you're only reading that a manageable subset. But... That means that you're excluding a lot of information. For instance, my blog. You might love it, but you're not getting it because you don't know about it and so it's not in your RSS reader. Mm. So mm. you okay. still need librarians to help you work out what is quality information. So where before we used to do it for you, now mm. we will train you to do it yourself. Okay, that makes sense. So once again, there's always going to be a portal. That portal will just yeah. change technology and there will always need to be a, a yeah. gatekeeper in front of that portal going, you shall not pass! <laughs> and that's you. Yes. And wielding a sword. And we'll, Can I have that sword? Can I have that? <laughs> so basically, you are the I'm not Gandalf. Doing the be- I don't want the beard. You're no the beard. Gandalf uh, to the Balrog of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're making sure the hobbits, which are the... Hang on, this is going to work. The hobbits are the fellowship, which are the population. Mm-hmm. You're making sure mm-hmm. enough Balrog gets to them, but not all the Balrog gets to them, because that would be dangerous. I can... Wait. I just quite I, like I the thought... notion of Gandalf standing on that big stone bridge with the, with the holding, not... holding up a great big post in front of his mouth going, Okay, settle down, settle down. Be quiet, please. As the patriarch of the Iscariot family, I brought us all here to have the conversation we need to have. We all know why we're here, cousin Judas. Good jerk. He's really, really damaged the Iscariot name, and I don't think there's coming back from this one. No one buys roosters off me anymore. I can't sell tomatoes. I can't buy 30 pieces of silver without people snickering in the streets. It's just not going to end. So, this is not going to be popular. I know we're very attached to this name, but... We've got to let the name Iscariot go. I know, I'm sorry. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. Blame old 12th disciple Judas. But it rhymes with chariot. And lariat. I know. I know. And Marriott. That's a great hotel chain. It's wonderful. Every time I stay at the Seas of Galilee, I always stay... It's two stars. One of them's the star of Bethlehem. So Christmas is just going to be ruined from now on if we constantly call ourselves a scariot. We won't be invited to any Pharisee parties. We're going to have to pick a new name. So I'm going to open the floor and let the family Iscariot, oh, sorry, whatever we become, pick a name. Any ideas? Well, I mean, Smith is good. That's no, no, no. Uh, How about Christ? That worked for the other guy. Oh, there could be issues. There could be issues. Oh, J. Christ, Judas Christ. There's legal issues. Oh. We need something that stresses organisation and unity. I was thinking Hitler. Surely we want something that focuses on our strength as a family, the fact that we like made of iron, you know, iron men. Like, what about Stalin? Mussolini? For the exotic, how about Mao? Hot. Something local. Bin Laden? Ooh, ooh, I've got it! A name that no one will ever hate. 
Bieber. Dan, you know what I like? Making our guests cry. But indeed, but when our that's definitely true. But when our guests are much, much smarter than us, which is most of the time, and puts us in our place. That was, I love that interview. I was really excited to get someone I've known for a while, but someone who just knows so much about her area. What's weird is being a librarian has made her knowledgeable of things that everyone needs to know about, as in data acquisition yeah. and, and, and filtering. I thought it was really interesting. Mm. That's and, and getting, filtering, yeah, filtering out the information, the, the fire hose of information, and mm. picking those little gems out. Yeah, and passing to you. Exactly. Ooh. What I did in order to get an idea for this month's crypto zoo. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the crypto zoo. There is a user on our forums called Minorexy. Oh, hello, Minorexy. And she was having a bit of a chat. She? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're just hoping. I hope. <laughs> For some reason, I got the impression that she was a she. Oh, careful. Rather than she being a him. Careful. We're very sorry, Shim, or Shlee, to use the Futurama term. Shlee. Shlee. Yes. And she was talking about zombies. Right. Good. Yeah. Bless your heart. And she pointed out something, tricked something in my brain, and I went, oh, I, I used to play Resident Evil. Mm. I played Resident Evil 1. Yes. And you're running around, and there's all these zombie humans going after mm. you, mm. moving after you. But the scariest shit was those... <laughs> They, they had zombie Doberman. Mm. In the movies, when Mia Jovovich shoots a lot of Dobermans in the face because yeah. they're zombified, supposedly. But you watch any zombie film mm. and it's all zombie humans. Yes. Yeah, the virus yes. doesn't transfer. If it's a virus, well, sometimes it's not a virus. It's sometimes not a virus, sometimes it's magic. Magic or it's radiation in but, Night of the Living Dead, it's just radiation. I was thinking, God, the zombie dogs are messed up. Yes. But they're probably not the worst zombie animal to have. Oh. If the zombie virus could jump to one other species... What would be the best and what would be the worst? Okay. Imagine a zombie bear. I, I, Real bears oh, terrify yeah. me. <laughs> a bear that you couldn't kill. Actually, a, a bear that was slightly slower would probably be right. Yeah. And, and also, in fact, it puts its big big head right in the way as it comes for you. And you already want to shoot it in the head. So oh. nothing much changes there except if you shoot it in the bum, it might oh, die. Right. Uh, you know Turtle? The, you know what the worst one would be? The, as in the one that's really the crappiest? Whale. The a zombie whale. blue whale! Oh, well, the blue whale would be all right, but the ba- those baleen ones that have also... Blue, blue oh, no, yeah, blue whales are baleen, yes. Oh, no. almost, a, almost a walk of shame. But, yes, the baleen, that's why it's, it's like, I must eat your brain, krill. Try to gum you to death. Oh, sorry. Wow. Sorry. That hurt my right ear. <laughs> sorry about that. I, I didn't think it would be quite loud. Yeah, so that was, that was, that's what happens when zombie whales come to you, Dad. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, in the ocean, you're like, oh, no, I knocked our boat over. Now it's going to kind of... Well, it could still put you in its mouth. It would still try and eat you. Yeah. But what would it like? What like you'd still die, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. No, that way it wouldn't be pleasant. But 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 you stra- stay, stay strangely, in the water, enough, I reckon. I'm, I'm actually on land most yeah. of my life. Yeah. It can't come out of the toilet or something and get you because you know it's a whale. So you wouldn't even know. It would just be a whale. Turtles have a shell. They don't come on land. I don't even care. What's going to climb up the stairs and get me? Tortoises. They're very slow, Dad. They are very slow. So now you've got an even slower animal. Yeah. The, you know the one that. So I'm, how does it? How does it? How does the tortoise shamble? <laughs> You wouldn't know, though. Maybe that's a secret. You'd be lying there and go, Oh, no! The zombie tortoise is coming to get me! I'll just sit down and have a three-course meal. Mm. Still coming. And it's like, Ah, oh, I tricked you into getting fat and lazy bite. And you're like, Oh, I'm a zombie tortoise. 
I don't know, does it pass the virus to you or does it just try and kill you? Because if it bites you once, you get bite and you go, ow! Yeah, well, it, it, it passes the virus to you. Oh, you become a zombie then. You, you become will... a zombie. Oh, okay. Don't want that. The one that would worry me is like insects, like mosquitoes, if you're going to go that silly. That, yeah, that is the one that I landed on. The whole, the whole human Because malaria is bad as yeah. it is. Zombie malaria. Zombies. Yeah. Isn't that what Resident Evil 5 is all about? Shooting, shooting black people in Africa because they were bitten by malarial zombie stuff? Wasn't that was that was that was the whole thing? That's, oh, why, that's why all the zombies were black. They were saying it was like, "Whoa, that's seriously racist." And they're like, "Zombies oh, only eat bite black people." <laughs> well, it was Africa, so there was and, and in in villages. So I suppose if that's where the zombie outbreak broke yeah. out. Well, malaria is a big problem. It's kind of like in World War Z, saying you're being racist because the zombie outbreak opened up in China, therefore all the zombies were Chinese. Well, there's a lot of Chinese people in China. That's not actually racist. That's just a fact of demographics. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, I'm not here to argue Resident Evil whether or not they should have made it just black people or not. Mosquitoes would scare me, but also I think for a bigger animal, if it, like you have to keep more mammalian or at least larger. Uh, rats. Rodents. Oh, yeah. Because they're clever. And I know zombies aren't, but they have gnawing teeth. They can already go through most walls. Like, they didn't care about, like, and, and they're hard to kill at the best of times, especially in plague proportions. I saw this crazy friggin' tunneling rodent the other day with these teeth that look like Volkswagen doors. <laughs> and was it a naked mole rat? Yes, yes, that's the one. They're awesome, and they got footage of it next to a Bessa brick, and it just ate the brick. It ate the, <laughs> it ate a brick. Imagine that was coming for you, and they. Oh, maybe walk of shame here. I don't think they can get cancer. I think they're immune to cancer. Of course they fucking are. They're probably immune to bullets. <laughs> but and also, but, it but can they, eat bricks, Greg. You can also everything. No, no, but also, you put acid on its skin, and it can't register that. It still damages it, but for some reason, that it, nervous system doesn't register acid burns. Oh yes, you told me this. Yeah, yeah. So, in so, another podcast. So they Naked mole rats have this kind of weird bit. So if you had a zombie naked mole rat, it'd be like, ah, uh, acid can't stop me. Ah, uh, I can't find you. He'd come well. up through the floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be standing in something your foot. You'd go, Ow, it's on my foot. Ah, oh, it's got me. Oh, Drag you. you back down under the floorboards of the house. And, they, and they're in a hive. They, they're like bees. They work in a hive. So they'd hunt in packs. Oh, and it's, so insects are scarier, but there's something really scary about going a, a naked mole rat coming towards you. It'd be like a putrid sock with teeth. Sleep well, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> My Lord God, thy bidding be done. Excellent work, Moses. These seven commandments will guide us all to a life of moral strength. Seven. Seven commandments. That's, that's a weird number. My Lord? Well, I'm, I'm wondering if we can pad it up a bit. Get it up to a nice round number. As is your wish. What can it be? What pisses me off? Well, there's the golden calf, my lord. Oh, yes! I hate those things. They're not real, you know. Yes, good one. <coughs> Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous and petty God. Oh, no, wait, scrap petty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Iniquity, third and no, 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 this one's important. Put it up the top. 
in front of I am the Lord thy God, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm, uh, okay, uh, number two position then. Okay, two to go. Um, oh, I know, when people swear, but instead they, they say my name. What's that called? Blasphemy, my lord. That's the one. Okay, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Yes, my lord. Put that straight after the last one. Yes, my lord. Mm, nine, nine of them. Of them. One, one more. One, one more thing that people, people shouldn't, shouldn't do. Uh, 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 we've got the stealing. Uh, we've got the coveting. Uh, one more. One more thing. Uh, how, how about thou shalt not kill? Oh, yes! That's a good one. Yeah! Oh, yes. Good call. Man. We probably should have put that in early, actually. <laughs> Good job, Moses. Thank you, my lord. And we do the walk. We do the walk of shame. Yeah, we do the walk of... Having fun over there? I'm having a grand time. Here comes Danny singing all these goldies. Be la baluba, baby. What? I'm sorry. Did you want to do this? I'm, at some point, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind. Here comes Gregoire saying, I've got a walk of shame down in the tunnel trying to make it pay. He's got the action, he's what got the motion. What have I done wrong? Yeah, the boy can play. Stop it. Dedication. Devotion. Turning on the night time in the day. Welcome to Oh, fine. As soon as I get into it, you're like, no, nah, we're done now, we're Dan. Done now, Dan. Done now. I've had my fun. <laughs> it was cool. It was I just wanted to fun. drag you down into my mess, into my, my karaoke hell. <laughs> but here comes that walk of shame. Yeah. Well, got any? Oh, um, <laughs> well. You put up by Steve Nerlich. Not again. He won't leave us alone. I know. Well, he, we, 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 we pulled up him and his we little crew. On the, uh, we called him out on, on the, the on, on thing. And he copped that. Yep. He copped that sweet, mate. But he uh, he doesn't want to be out geeked. He wants to fire another shot across the bow. So he pointed out that I made a comment yes. that the Hulk, the Hulkness didn't cross generations. Mm. I, I went, no, 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 let's let's not drag ourselves down there. Yes, yes. And he went, oh, wait, 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 because there was a dark and disturbing past to Brian Banner, Bruce Banner's dad. Oh, yes, yes. And an alleged monster gene at, and the mysterious Los Alamos accident, either of which may have made Bruce more susceptible to the gamma ray ah. beam thing to create a Hulk effect. So, and they actually dealt with that with the Eric Banner film. Yes, they, yes, they did. Make you, well, his dad was quite abusive. That's what they're trying to say. A lot of Hulk's issues or Bruce Banner's issues come from his dad being an abusive father. So in that first movie, the... the, the also the, the Gamma Bomb. Well, that, that helped. But there's also... There's, no, 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 it's a Gamma Bomb. There was a, yes. That, he that, should have died. He should have died, but something but something kept him alive. <laughs> but that the Hulk saved his life. Oh, thank you, Hulk. Also, there was a, in one of the comics I read recently, because I'm intrigued by that, uh, that uh, Steve Ehrlich saying that,
explain that because there is actually a comic that has Bruce Banner hulking out before, not actually literally going into the Hulk mode, but losing control, which I suppose is just losing control, really, yeah. and, and accidentally murdering his dad. Having like, a tanty accidentally. Well, no, well, his father annoys him too much at the graveyard of his mother, at the graveside of his mother, and then he kicks his father so hard he falls over and hits his head and, and the father dies. So there's, and then people that he, and Banner sometimes says that was his first moment of where the Hulk came out, but didn't didn't have any gamma radiation to help it out. Hulk, he just lost control and, and this rage monster took over, but he was just a puny banner. Yeah. <laughs> but still enough to kill his dad. Scary, but thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Steve. That's I'm pretty... glad that that well put forward scientific argument has put <laughs> me in my place. <laughs> Here's, I, I we don't normally do this, but I have, to, I have to. I love this one. We don't normally do walks of shame for other people, but we probably should. I keep thinking maybe we should start looking for walks of shame for other when other people screw up science and go. Well, you said blah, well, actually we're right, but I don't know. Maybe, no, maybe. But it's. But here's one. Do you know who? Neil, be, we, we'd be very busy. Mm, I think so. Do you know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is? Neil deGrasse Tyson is a science educator and, and a very clever guy. He's an American. So um, he's kind of like I like to think of him as the as the Karl Krushineski of America. That's, they're very similar people. Like oh, they're, okay. They're very popular and people really like them and they go around promoting. But he's a very clever man and he's on television a lot. If you, if you, anytime that anything scientific happens, any space related, he comes on and like on Col- Colbert Report or anything like that and, and he, he's, he knows what he's talking about. Okay. People, people trust him. But he went to see Prometheus. The, the, oh, the alien aliens. maybe prequel whatever yes. I haven't seen it yet but all I know is that uh, very it's really split its audience well that's that's probably a good thing I mean it's probably a good movie <gasps> yeah maybe it's it, that, no. or or it's shit <laughs> it's either how, awesome or shit it's, <laughs> how splitting of you I love the fact that he is a science guy and he's sort of an astrophysics guy yeah he's watching his movie and he comes out and what does he tweet he tweets. Prometheus goes 75 light years into space, but Charlize Theron gaffs, we're a half a billion miles from Earth. That's just past Jupiter. So that's not, th- that's not I saw that. 35 light years. That's just past Jupiter. That's the thing he had to point out about wait, Prometheus. Wait, wait. 35 light years? Oh, no, sorry, that, the other value, the half a billion. Yes, point. half a billion miles from Earth. Yeah. So what one would what be um, 0.6, so 0.8, 0.8, 0.8 of a billion kilometres from Earth. Uh, that only Wait, makes that's you... that's not right, is it? Yes, the miles are, miles are bigger. Oh, than, yeah, than, yeah, than yeah, than yeah, all right. Yes, cool. So about 0.8. And so that only takes you just past Jupiter. So she's saying, we're a half a billion miles from Earth. How no, no, you Jupiter? Half, how about 10 astronomical units? So how far is that in miles? Like in in kilometers? Uh, uh, 0.8, That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay, yes. So, well, but but Prometheus, the planet, the, yeah. the, the 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 ship Prometheus had gone 35 light years away. Yes, you're making this very confusing. Oh, so the science guy was not the guy who was wrong. No, he's right. He's right. No, 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 no. I'm calling him. I, I'm I'm amused that he did a walk of shame. Gotcha. For Charlize so he Theron and shame someone else. Yes, and so I'm Charlize Theron. Yes, walk of shame. Well, all the writer at the very least. That's right. But let's just play Charlize Theron. She might come on and have to defend herself. That'd be awesome. Who is she? She's she's she, a South, she I think she's a South monster Africa. girl, wasn't yes, she? Yes, and she knows, she's very and she was she play, she played she was also in Arrested Development, which is one of the funniest characters ever. She was the um the, the grown woman with the mind of a five year old. It was it was hilarious in Arrested Development. She's very clever. Oh, she's yes. also South African, so there's a connection to my family there. Oh, I, right. I take any connection I can to Shelley's Theron. Yep. But but why this is fun for me is uh, this is not the first time he's done this. Uh-huh. He went to see the t- Titanic as well, and and he for years he bitched about the Titanic because not because of Titanic, but you know the famous movie. You know, yes. 
on. But Mifar. What's his name? Wherever you are. What's his name? Leonardo DiCaprio. No, no, the guy. James Cameron. James Cameron. James Cameron. Kate Winslet. I went out of my way. No, James Cameron. Kate Winslet? James Cameron. Was it Kate Winslet's boobs? No, no, it was James Cameron and his boobs. James Cameron said... I have gone out of my way to make this scientifically accurate. This whole, like, the ship's the right length, the right height, and it cracked like this, and all the... I went, I went out of my way. Neil deGrasse Tyson went, that's nice, but how come when they're all dying and the ship's sinking, you stare at the sky, this beautiful sky, and the stars are wrong. It's not the right time of year. You know the exact moment the ship went down, and yet you had the wrong... Not, not only was it the wrong time of year, it was just a matte sky that someone, an artist, had made in the sky. It wasn't even real stars. So he called out... James Cameron and went, no, no, your movies aren't accurate at all because your stars I are wrong. that our audience was full of pedants. That, and, I, and, they called it, and James what Cameron... fuck? But James Cameron went, oh, oh, well, if I ever do a remake of it or something, I'm really sorry. Like, he, 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 he wore it. He went, oh, you're right. Okay, no, you're right. Wow. I'm very sorry. If we ever do a remake of it, I'll get you involved. Years pass, the uh, 3D comes out, uh-huh. movie, he gets a call. Okay, Mr. DeGrasse Tyson, if that's your real name, then I do, you come and help me. So he actually gave scientific help. So now when the boat sinks and you've got, don't never leave me, Jack, and you look up at the sky, that's exactly the right moment to the second what the nice. sky would have looked like in the North Atlantic at that time. I saw another bit of science about that part of the film too. Oh, yes? Two people, they got the footage and they marked out the exact size of that door, mm-hmm. and they proved unequivocally that yeah. two people could have easily sat on, like, lay on that thing, <laughs> seven different positions. They could have sat on there and played cards, for God's sake. <laughs> she's wanted, she, she'd, she'd had a wicked way with the lower class boy. Now it's time for him to die. She that's, didn't want anyone to know. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's pretty horrible. You know what's really weird about that? That whole story is like an old woman talking to a, a crew of other people, the, the fortune hunters. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's like. And then he took me down to the car, and we had hot, hot nookie. And as he thrust manfully against me, my hand, and they're like, oh, he was going. So there's a missing oh, scene where Bill oh, Pax is just going, oh. oh all going, oh. It might be his kink. Come on, Dan. It's 21st century. It's possible. Cougars. Yeah, look, mm. there's websites for all walks, <laughs> aren't there? Is it Rule 34? There are now. <laughs> pretty scary but yeah there you go pedants we love you pedants we we want our audience to be more pedantic it, can you be as pedantic as neil degrasse tyson i think not i'm calling you out audience neil degrasse tyson called out prometheus based on a one line in a movie i think we stuff up more often than that mm. i know we do in fact and we hide here we hide here saying nothing doing nothing pretending we get it right every time because you do nothing you just let us go it's your fault actually i'm gonna blame you I'm yeah. calling the audience out. Yeah, we're the, we're the, we're the exciting and entertaining cows, oh, and you're supposed to be watching the range. That's, and then nothing. So, no, you, so when we crap all over the range, yeah. four legs good, yeah. two legs bad, <laughs> then it's your fault. Your fault, audience. Happy birthday. Speaking of birthdays, I've got oh. a birthday present for you. Really? Yeah. <gasps> what is it? Planet Earth oh, rotates. Oh. No, <laughs> Planet Earth rotates around the Earth's sun. I like orbit. Oh, yeah, good point. Planet, <laughs> planet Earth orbits around the Earth's sun. Yes. Chad. Yes. And Chad orbits uh-huh. through the through the disk. 250 the, uh, million years. Yep. Yes. And it plows its way through the interstellar medium. Yes. Oh, God. And the sun exudes no! out no! energy. <laughs> Out to our... No, no, we said we'd never talk of this again. Nemesis, the heliopause. And as it throttles through that void, it banks up 
because of the speed it's going, it banks up and helio creates shock. the helio shock. That's right. Well, some very clever scientists mm-hmm. had a look at some of these numbers and went, wait a second, we mm. misread these. This thing's not going half as fast as we thought it was. <sighs> There's no helio shock at all. Yes! One less problem. Oh, thank God. A smart enough, no better. Oh, so we went wrong. We were ahead of the curve. We couldn't explain it very well because no one could because it didn't exist. Mm, yes, More Dan. so there are just yes, fewer Dan. things for us to uh, <laughs> to screw up. Oh, it's so exciting. So there's no helio shock. Like there's no helio shock. No helio there. shock. There you go. It's more of a helio what? Something like that. It just it doesn't need to be there. Oh. There's no there's no it's not pushing its way and making that bow wave. Oh. It's just sort of drifting. I love science. Forcing making... its way through. <laughs> Please don't thrust at me like that ever again. Alright. Happy birthday. License and registration. Was I speeding, officer? You see that big T2 written on the ground in this lane? Yes. That's a T2 lane. It signifies you can only travel in it with at least two people in the car. I know. I'm pregnant. Excuse me? I'm six weeks pregnant. So there's me and the fetus. (laughs) Nice try, ma'am. I'm afraid that your unborn child doesn't count as a person. Are you serious? That's brilliant! I I don't understand. Oh, it's just that having a child is a huge upheaval to my life. So now I can get this fetus aborted. You can't do that! Why not? Well played. We've come to that part of the show where I like normally to give you... A science based song. You're going to try to ease my soul. Yes, with science and beauty. And I had a very normally kind of one. I won't say what it is. I might use it later. But then I, as the internet does, the internet just suddenly, like, like flotsam and jetsam coming up on the beach, suddenly the internet just delivers this craziness to you. And I went, and about two days ago, this It was, lemons the girl right to you. <laughs> what? Lemons the girl? The, the, or, the, or tubs the girl. You've never, you've never heard of this tub girl thing? No. Oh no! Don't 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 go! Don't go! To, don't, don't go looking for Tub Girl. It's one of those gross out sites. Oh, it sounds great. It sounds like a girl in a tub. Yay! Oh. But no, she's in a tub because she's no. doing t- no. awful. No, I don't want to know. Why? Just, stop! Stop talking! Gushing! Just... Stop! So this the, so this song was delivered unto me. It's really weird. It's called Pie. Oh, I love Pie. We, and we've done a song about Pie before. We did. So, but here's another one because I think it's worth it. Okay, it's a little bit rude. Just so people know, if you, if you, if you have delicate constitutions <laughs> listening to this, then maybe consider not. I like that pie. When ink and pen in hands of men inscribe your form by P2P, they draw an altar on which God has slaughtered all stability. No eyes could ever soak in all the places you anoint. And yet to see you all at once, we only need the point. Flirting with infinity, your geometric progeny that fit inside you, oh so tight with triangles that feel so right. 3.14159265358975023246274328. 
Yes, by Hard and Firm. I can't think. I, I think I blanked out for a little while there. <laughs> hard and Firm. Now, I like to go look up Hard and Firm. I'd never heard of Hard and Firm. I was yeah. If they were anyone. And it's one of those weird coincidences of the internet. Yeah. Hard and Firm is like a joke band made up of Chris Hardwick, which you might have heard of. And Chris Hardwick. I know him. And Mike Furman. Chris Hardwick, he, he's a comedian. He's an American comedian. He also does the Nerdist podcast. That's the guy. It's him. And, and this is supposedly some like a, a, a thing he just did a couple of years ago. It's on an album and it's a bit of fun. And I went, Isn't that weird? Like I just I happened to find this weird thing and went, oh, that's... That's the guy we know. We know Chris Hardwick. Or, you know, well, I don't know him. You know, we know of him. And yeah, there you go. But it's, it's a very odd song. Yeah. And it's a bit rude. It's kind of nice. I want to hear it again. You can always just go or back just, and play, this, play the podcast. Or just again. listen to the extended mix, which I assume goes for a couple of years. <laughs> Never stops. Never, ever stops. It's like that horrible song with the puppet sheep. <laughs> Some people understand what I'm talking about. Puppet sheep. This is a song that but never ends. It just goes on and on, my friend. I, I step, started it many years ago. No, 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 never just because it was a song. And then it just repeats. There's one I used to do in the car that drive my friends mad when I was younger. I used to love it because I used to go like this. I used to be like this. No, 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 no. No, 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 no,
Nor why that would be distressing if someone was wearing headphones and you were yodeling it into a microphone. I feel the need to prepare to remove this headphone. And I could do that for an hour or until I lost consciousness from the punches to my face. How long has it been since these friends of yours got in touch? <laughs> well, after that terrible accident, only a few of us walked away. So. Uh, but if they did want to get in touch with you, they could at greg at smartenough.org or dan at smartenough.org. Indeed. Thank you very much for coming with us on our journey. We're into year three now. Good Lord. Any ideas? You pedantic people. Anything you want to see more of or less of, you get in contact. You tell us. You go, Dan and Greg, I think seriously. Maybe you'd like to send us a gift for our birthday. <laughs> that is not required. No, Just not share the joys of our podcast like us on Facebook mention us on Twitter yeah a review on iTunes make a song and post it on MySpace (laughs) (laughs) Uh, LinkedIn is that cool I don't know know. (laughs) Google Plus (laughs) if you'd like to have a thrilling discussion with some of the other members of the community jump into the forums go to iTunes and to where we are and click the little I don't know how to do it anymore but five stars Stars stars. Pretend you're a grade three teacher and we've just done something very good, like not poo for in, in our pants for an entire week. Give us lots of stars. Yay. Gold stars all over the shop. And then we'll come back for another year. You can't stop us. We're in your head now. We're like a worm, a brain worm. This is the podcast that, that never ends. It goes on and on, my friend. Two Some idiots started, started yelling it many years ago, and now it's going to be It's the podcast that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friend. Two idiots started yelling it, not knowing what it was, and now we keep on singing it forever just because this is the podcast that never ends. Uh, if you have something else you want to talk about, then we'll I'm be... always off topic. <laughs> well, yes. Welcome to Smart Enough to Know Better. The problem with that when we're on, both of us on the same mic. Yes. I'm moving down, Dan. I'm doing oh. this so I can... I'll squat then, shall I? <laughs> yeah, that's not my fault. I'm average height. I don't know what you are. Mutant. I'm like a superhero. <laughs> six powers. and a half heads Being tall. three inches taller. <laughs> well, we'll see how you fare on the planet of the slightly higher cupboards. <laughs> Can't reach the... There was a dunk stand. Stand back, human! <laughs> Ta-da! Doug Stanhope talking about how he was talking about the Olympics, why the Olympics are stupid. Like he hates you're genetically better, and that's why you win. It's it's not about wanting it more. It's all rubbish. Like it, mm. it, it comes down to who's the bigger mutant. Uh, they should have a, a, a an event called the tallest. 
Where it's just like, <laughs> it's like, well, Greg is five foot nine and Dan is six foot, but Greg wants it more. So that, those last three inches, he could probably do if he puts his mind to it. And you can put, you're right, you can't. Like, you can't get, you can't shave off a quarter of a second. This sounds like yes. sour grapes to me. No, 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 I agree. I think it's, I mean, there are a lot of very angry Neanderthals listening to the podcast <laughs> going, fuck <laughs> you. Actually, it's not, we killed them. No, we didn't kill them. Well, we we love them. sexed them out of existence. We your podcast you might be perhaps writing some notes or the, I can see that hasn't happened today but I live in hope yeah. what, we, what I do is I, is I take some bird bones and some blood oh, really? and I cast them out okay well that's not that quite right that governs writing. the structure of the show right. we have to kill the goat not... this week welcome to the podcast Miss Carol Gold Gold? Gold Gold thank you Dan that was a good start yes I just I wasn't sure whether I pronounced cool. it right. Let's say it again. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Miss Carol Gold. Thank you, Dan. Gold? Is it pronounced gold? <laughs> Dan! I'll edit that. That's fine. I'll just edit it into shape. We can oh, go with just... Smith if it's easier. That's right. <laughs> Smith Gold. Right. Who's Gold? <laughs> Greg's Gold. <laughs> Fun!